0: Our nation right now is the tough economic times, and uh, maybe when when you began this journey, how how was it? How was your financial uh, plans? And uh, in in that, what are some of the challenges did uh, you had and how you coped with them until you you are here right now? So we can begin with Richard, then.
1: Well, um, I'd say we, from the very first day that we met, we were certain that you wanted to get married. Um, And my wife and I, actually, if you ask her, I never asked her to be my girlfriend. I asked her to be the mother of my children, to be my wife. And I think uh, that was so powerful in terms of how we were relating. Now, coming to this issue, because I think... um, It is especially important, now that I sympathize with most of us that we meet around, um, when you're planning for marriage, it is very important to have a plan. I want to say we got married last year in 2022, but we had finished campus in uh, 2019. And uh, we realized that uh, in as much as we wanted to settle down, there are a few issues that we needed to do here, and that is in terms of uh, looking for opportunities being in a position to save some money, uh, plan with our families in time, give ourselves time also to look at the challenges outside campus because uh, once you finish campus, things become a bit different in terms of you might be in an internship that is not paid. I think my wife spent close to eight months volunteering in an organization. So you see... um, It requires that as a couple you have that plan, that you want to settle. And I remember it was in the year 2020 when we actually...
2: To what my husband has said is as you prepare for the two of you, there is the two of you meeting up, discussing what it is you want to do together. There is also you involving other people. And the people who are most important to involve are your parents. Of course we still have the issue of the tribe where you meet in campus, you meet people from different tribes, but then there's still some things to do with. You come from this tribe, you cannot get married from someone to someone who is from a different tribe. So with such cases, you need to start involving your parents as early as you have met Start in, uh, engaging in conversations about, you know, I've met someone. What, what would be your perspective if I get married to Akikuyu? For instance, you are from Jaloo. And hear them out. If they have those superstitions of, you know, we can, you cannot get married to someone of this, then there is the part where you need to start talking to your parents, involve other people in the Christian Union for instance and your friends who are connected uh, spiritually, to pray about it, so that by the time you get to the point where you people want to now start the planning process, you've already dealt with some of these things. Don't wait until you're planning this, that is when you are now want to involve your parents because there is a whole lot process before you even start planning now to even get married. Yeah.
0: Check.
3: Yeah, I really like... Um, what Richard and Gloria have really shared, those are really practical steps that you can take. And just to add on to what they are saying, I love the example of them having a WhatsApp group. Because as we are discussing this with Soila, we realized that there are three people here involved. The moment you've decided you are now getting married, there are three people here. There's Soila, there's Curtis, and then there's Soila and Curtis. <laughs> you understand what I'm saying? So Ila represent the commitment of the marriage or the future that we are trying to build. So even as you're making your plans, fine, so Ila is her own person, I'm, I'm my own person, we still have our own individual interests, but there's this person that we are trying to create, there's this future we are trying to build. So even as we make plans, we are investing in it, whether it is financial, financial investment, whether it is knowledge investment, because even marriage, you know, you don't just enter into marriage blindly. So what information is it that we are lacking that we we need to learn and access before we get into this thing? So always know that there is this third person that you guys are trying to build. Uh, The other thing is analyze your attitudes with money, all right, as early as possible. Is one of you a saver? Is one of you a spender? All right? Don't assume that somehow when you get married, it will just fix itself, all right? All right? address those things as soon as possible you can tell the vision or lack of a vision that someone has by how they spend their money so if you don't start having that conversation early and then when you get married and then you realize ah this guy has been betting <laughs> all right <laughs> so all the savings you guys have been putting you know you go and check and evaporated in betting <laughs> we realize this lady buys makeup worth 20k namuna food so what do you start doing all right but if you address those things early enough, you already begin to see the cracks between the two of you. Not so that you may beat each other down, but so that you can come together and say, okay, according to the vision we have, these are things we need to address. Yeah.
4: Um, there's something that Richard had said when it comes to wedding planning and doing it within your financial capacity and not really going with the pressures of what you're seeing outside here. Um, what really matters, guys, is a marriage that is going to come out of there. I know we have really focused so much on the wedding planning part. We forget the marriage that is awaiting us. There's a story that I was listening to, and this lady, sh- she loved this guy so much. And even this guy loved the woman, and they did the wedding and everything. And then after the evening comes, and now uh, they are riding away into their honeymoon destination, and she's trying to remove some stuff from her hair. You see, when you get married, then they pour new rice, you know, those two white, white stuff. Poo-poo, you're celebrating your know, social strategy, you remove them, and then she just turns and looks at her husband and sees a different guy, even in his eyes, like he's no longer as excited. And the guy's like, I feel now like I'm trapped. You know, and there's no way out because I've already committed. It was just a beginning of them, you know what? I i I think I did the wrong thing here. So you don't want to get there because let's say somebody might feel offended. You as a woman, you insisted on having a wedding worth 800,000. The man is telling you, "Let's do it for 300,000. The rest would rather save." But because of the pressures of what is online, you want to do the 801 at the expense of the health status of your mind and even the health status of your marriage once you start out. So it's actually what he said, "Do it within your budget. let me tell you guys, we, we've done weddings. And the moment people come and sit in, you are sent a piece who cost $3,000. Wa and put their handbags there. You know, if you didn't get an opportunity to take a photo with it, I am sorry, man. Taisha, Those flowers will wither away. So unless you have the capacity, go do the big that you can. If you don't have the capacity, please, it's okay. You can do something small. We have friends who have done weddings in a living room. They just met with the passe and everything and then did reception somewhere else. You don't have to break a bank because of fulfilling this big magnanimous thing. na shoka. You know, I wish what seema ata ukona aru, wedding, ama marriage, ya kukata na shoka. Because somebody said that some people who really, really just want to spend money so that people can see how much they are spending, really do not have the wherewith and the backbone to carry a marriage. Because at that particular, actually that of decision making as you're planning a marriage as you're involving parents that's how you get to see the true characteristics of the person that you want to get married to you'll see them in their worst, you see them in their best you'll see them how they want to disburse the money you'll see them how they want to <laughs> or pesa. you can just see how they have the relationship with money and relationship with your family members so it's at that particular time that you can really tell Because family members also change the moment you want to get married. You will see true colors, like, wait, I thought you were my best auntie. She'll start asking for things, you're like, wait, what? So it's at that particular point, unless you have God, and you're consulting with God, as Gloria was saying, you might actually say, see you lazima. Many people elope because of that particular uh, stress that family people, family members take um, couples through before getting married. So you need to be a unit together in preparation for your marriage, because the unit aspect of the marriage is what will be tested from the beginning to the end, even with any decision no matter financial, no matter spiritual, no matter these things talk about them right before getting married.
5: From all the planning that we are having before marriage, I'm getting that there will be a lot of emotional implications, right? And maybe you can touch on how do we handle all of this? And actually, what is emotional readiness when preparing for marriage? Because I notice when, when you're seeing that um, you're fr- the people you know that you're seeing a different person after the wedding day. Um, How do we avoid getting to this position, and how do we handle our emotions and the baggage that we might have? Uh, Whoever is ready, who's ready? (laughs) Richard, are you?
1: Um, I I I want to be honest, because we are talking about being ready emotionally, right? I think two weeks to the wedding, um, f- for those of you who know Reverend Wakaba, he called me and asked me, Are you sure you still want to get married to this girl? And I think I had not been asked that question all along. And then it hit me very hard that I was about to get married. And I also remember my wife one week to the wedding saying, I, It's like I'm not ready. You know, like it's n- like I'm not ready. All along, I've been dreaming about this, but for now, I think I'm not ready. Um, and that happens throughout life. There is no single point that we always find ourselves ready for anything at all. Uh, we, should we say it's called the imposter syndrome, whereby we feel insufficient, uh, not ready or to take the task. So there's quite a lot that involves our mental and emotional readiness for marriage. And uh, maybe what you could share from our end is having friends, peers, and mentors that can actually walk you through that. Um, We have a very unique group until now of friends that we had left campus and we had all committed ourselves into relationships that would lead to marriage. And so with these kind of friends, we'd have meetings, we'd have Bible studies and prayers. And one after another, as they got married, we realized that actually the goal that we have, they are helping us to be ready for that particular goal. We also had people who are working with us, people who have been in marriage for quite a long time, people who will tell you, this is not the way to go. Or on this particular instance, this is not how things work. And I think that really prepares us a lot. And I think also on being... Uh, emotionally stable and ready is to also ensure that the two of you are connected well spiritually. I want to share a secret with you that uh, while we are still in campus, for those of you who know upper chambers, I don't know how you call it nowadays, we would meet there with then she was my girlfriend at 4 a.m. to pray. We moved to CLB 05 Ukoju at least thrice a week In the morning, we would meet to pray about the goal that we had. And even as we continued preparing, we would meet and pray we'd fellowship with our friends who were still journeying with us through the journey. And so what you are trying to say is that it takes um, accountability in terms of people who can ask you hard questions and guide you, but also the two of you being very deliberate about us being connected to God to help us to be stable as you walk through the journey. Yeah. Mm,
2: maybe just to add on the last point you said, I think it is very important for the two of you to be together, like so niche together, in that no matter what happens, let it never reach a point whereby the person you're hoping to get married to is against you. It's so sad because this person you're getting to, you're getting married, you're planning to get married to is the person who will defend you anywhere you go, be it on your on his side, his family side, and you as well on your family side. Because there are always those issues that come around. You will hear so many things about, you know, people out, people out here, not everyone is happy for you if you're planning to get married. You will have so many things come around the fact that the two of you are in this together you are committed you are one you're planning to be one you must always be by the side of your person no matter what if that is the decision you you you're making yeah maybe that is the thing i can add there
5: thank you i don't know whether Curtis or Soila has anything to add
3: yeah uh, these guys are deep (laughs) eh? I'm really enjoying just hearing them share their story. Um, I would say there's a difference between being prepared and being ready. Being prepared is more of an external thing. You can be prepared for marriage, but you are not ready. Because readiness is an internal thing. It's a heart posture. And I love how they were saying that they had to commit themselves to God, and they used to meet for prayer. Because anytime you're dealing with things of the heart, It is your commitment to the process that God is taking you that qualifies you to be ready. If you look at scripture, anytime God uh, would appoint a prophet and send them to go speak to a king or to go do something, most of the time the prophets were not ready. In fact, they would be like, I, God, me, I only come from a family of this number of people. You know, they would always have an excuse. You remember Moses when he was being told to go set the Israelites free? And he's telling God how he's stammering, he doesn't know how to speak. But God used him anyway. Because God doesn't look at readiness in terms of perfection. You are now perfect, you have no issues. God looks at readiness in terms of your heart. Are you willing to trust me to take you through this process? Because if you're talking about emotional readiness, I can tell you now we've been married seven years plus. But there are still moments where something comes up and you realize, ah, emotionally we've not really responded well to this thing. So there are still things about our emotions that... Every day, God is helping us to, to deal with and handle. So when you're talking about emotional readiness, please don't think I'm supposed to be emotionally perfect. No issues. I don't get offended. That will never happen. It's only being at that place of, okay, God, I'm trusting my emotional and psychological state to you. I'm ready to walk with you. If there's anything that needs to be sorted out, you will show me as we go. So look at readiness, not in terms of perfection, but in terms of how much have you really trusted God in this process?
5: Yeah. I like how you're putting it. Oh, did you have something to add? <laughs> I like how you're putting it that it's a matter of our heart posture and uh, I probably have a question. So if, if readiness is not really about the emotional stuff that we have, you know, you're saying that as long as we've submitted ourselves to the authority of Christ to the lordship of Christ, then do you think there are issues that, specific issues that someone would need to deal with before they got into a relationship?
4: Um, yes. Mm-hmm. And we were having this conversation with Curtis, even me just remembering how I was dealing with conflict when we were dating, and even the first few and I still walk into this marriage. You see, the heart posture is I've accepted, I have identified it, and I'm seeking help. Accountability. I'm seeking help. So even if I'm not yet there, I'm walking in accountability in having this issue come out. Be it anger. You know, some people you just get angry, you throw everything everywhere. You get angry, you want to raise your hand and hit someone's girlfriend. Okay, not your girlfriend. Or even women. There are women who just want to shika you machati, and I'm like, that's a really. The Bible says. Yes, you can be angry, but do not sin. Do not let your anger make you sin. So identify some of those baggages and triggers. You know, there are certain triggers that trigger something. There are certain things, experiences that trigger something in you. And like, I don't like like this when you tell me that. Why don't you like it when he tells you that? Why don't you like it when she tells you that? You know, go in-depth, unpack it, even if it means... Having somebody who's been there older than you, maturer than you, has done marriage, people that you're accountable to who are way ahead of you in age and even in experience. Go sit down together unpack it. There are some things that issues of the the Johari window thing whereby there's known self, unknown self, there's private self and all that. Certain things only in the context of relationship will somebody else tell you about you and you're like, no, that's not me. But it's a part that you do not know about yourself, and then they can see it. So when it comes to emotional thing, yes, you can su- submit them to God, but accept that there's a something, there's an aspect of you that needs healing, that needs wholeness. Because if you don't deal with it, these things show up in marriage. There's something that we normally say with Curtis. marriage has a way of bringing afloat every ugly thing about you, because it's a place of coming into oneness. I'm shedding some aspects of selfishness and I'm joining to one person here for us to you know it's one flesh you're one flesh and one this hand has to coordinate with this hand somehow this hand cannot start beating this hand this eye has to coordinate there's a way there's a wider view that we have with both eyes so if that part is missing because you you just have your own way of doing things and they have their own way of doing things I really don't think you're doing a marriage it's just something else so Identify, allow people to talk what he said, allow people to tell you some things about you. Submit them to God and submit yourself to accountability and community of people who are for you. People who are not for you. They'll tell you your mambo, eh, She does your wewe, New jama. Na shida ni wewe. So it also matters who you're vulnerable with. Because some girlfriends are just for you not to. To do well, some boyfriends are just for you not to do well. So, um, yeah, check your circle of friends. Check who is informing some of the decisions that you're making. So, yeah. Thank you for
5: that. Um, you've put it very well. Thank you so much, Sayla. Um, you've made the whole time we are mentioning about our heart postures and the role they have to play in us being sanctified, actually. Because what I am noticing in the whole process is that it's sanctification grounds. Yeah. And so I like that you brought it out that friends have a, pl- uh, have a, a role to play in accountability and in, you know, us being in a relationship. And what, what's the place of accountability? You, know, you can give more details, a little bit more details, as you even tell us the, the role they have to play spiritually in our lives and to help us know that we are actually spiritually, spiritually ready for marriage. Yeah. Um,
4: spiritually, there are people who get into a relationship and they are no longer attending Bible study. So you have gotten something else. If this relationship becomes an idol. You see, and a friend of yours will come and tell you, hey, bro, tango upate with your girlfriend. <laughs> uh, you have become something else. Even ladies will tell you, hey, since you became, you got into a relationship, you're no longer as available as you used to be. That is if the circle of friends that you have, you guys used to do things together. BS together. Church together, service together, fellowship together. So they can easily see you drifting away from the things that you used to do because of a relationship. Or, yes, you still want to be there, but they can easily tell there's something different. You know, it could be a toxic relationship. And because you are like, I'm a believer, I should not be experiencing toxicity in my relationship. They'll think I made the wrong decision. You don't go ahead and speak about it. But friends, once they identify some of those things, take it and run with it. Pour yourself out. Tell them, guys, you are in campus. You have seen the stories of people being taken away, and the next thing you hear, they were found besides the road having been murdered. Because you're doing relationship by yourself, no one knows where you are at. Let me tell you guys everywhere I was, my friends knew. Curtis's friends knew. Our person who was working with us knew. We are meeting for a date. We'll be meeting here and there And this particular time. It's not reporting yourself. It's just being accountable. The same thing with spiritual matters. I'll tell you, man, you used to read your Bible well. You used to change so well. You used to be the pioneer for some of the fellowships that you're doing. But now it's like something is happening. And for I like that you said there are friends you're still working with even as one by one they're hitting different milestones in life. I'd, I'll admire that. If you are working in a community, you see, hey, these guys are now walking in power and casting out demons. I'm like, what are you doing? Charge me. Let me grow in that level. And you sit under them and accept and uh, receive that anointing, receive that grace to, you know, do the same things if that's the thing that you, you, you desire. So the thing, again, with working with accountability, you start desiring growth. You're not settled or satisfied with a plateau. You know, you think marriage in Ikufika, it's a beginning of work, guys. It's a beginning of work. Whereby now, you are being um, work sanctification. Sanctification process. Her passage says, marriage is not to make you happy. Okay, there's happiness. But marriage is to make you holy. If your marriage, if your relationship does not glorify God, does not make you desire God more, you know what it does? Because of how you're being joined together. It shows you how um, unable you are in certain things And the more you see how unable you are, You're like Jehovah I'm so unable In sustaining a marriage like this I need you to sustain this So your source is God for sustenance so you see, the more you see you are incapacities, the more you are depending on God to be able to be successful in whatever venture you're in. So if you are figured and you think, I don't need God, I don't need friends, I don't need you in a danger zone. And that's where the enemy comes. He hovers around to see whom to devour. And if he sees you out of a place of community and accountability, he's like, ah, I'll start by deceiving you with one, two, three, four. You don't need to go for fellowship. You don't need to pray. Now you're married. Now you're married. You need to praise her more, you know, because of the challenges that come with the, the institution of marriage. Because the enemy is not happy with you, so yeah.
1: Maybe I want to read a verse in Second Corinthians six fourteen. Do not be unequally yoked with unbelievers. For what do righteousness and wickedness have in common? Or what fellowship can light have? With darkness, and I think uh, why I read this is uh, uh, the moment you, you 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 have a relationship that does not honor God. Honestly, it drains you and makes you feel so empty. You know, our our satisfaction can only be in God. Our contentment can only be in God, and apart from that sorrow fills our hearts, just like what happened in the Garden of Eden. So what we are trying to say is that ensure that you walk with someone who actually wants to honor God. Because the kind of shenanigans we see in our days about all the relationship breakups, trust me, in one way or the other, both of them are not working or walking in a way that is honoring and pleasing God. And many times those relationships end in breakups simply because they will either fall into a sexual sin, and nothing hurts more than when both of you are falling into a sexual sin. It is terrible. Um, I think for some of you that I interact with because I lead a youth fellowship, uh, we discuss with people of how they have been into those situations, and what a struggle it is to come out of a sexual sin. I want to attest to you that Nothing brings more joy and gladness than when the two of you have that pursuit of working with friends and also the person that you're working with together in holiness. Nothing beats purity even it go into marriage because you're assured of faithfulness. You're assured of, I can trust this person. And so this is what you want to tell your friends, even as you walk in your relationships. Let it be your goal that you actually want to honor God in holiness and in purity. Mind you, purity is not just when you are still in relationships. Even after marriage, we still pursue purity and holiness. And that is what we want to tell you. Just know that the journey and pursuit of purity and holiness is not only in relationships. It's also in marriage. And a marriage that has honored God in that way, a relationship that has honored God in that way, thrives in a way far beyond our imaginations. Thank you.
0: Uh, could you be having anything to add, Gloria?
2: <laughs> okay. I'm, I've just been thinking about how the world is currently, how people, the world rejoices when uh, marriages break, when relationships come to an end, if you are on social media, you can see people following these socialites, guys. Then you realize they were together. Then they bro- they broke up. Then guys are just so happy about it. You ever ask yourself, what is really the intention of the hearts of men? You wonder for the for the period when when you you begin your relationship with the person you want to journey with. Eh? Usually, your goal is. I think the the part where we need to start with is what is the goal, what is our goal as we think of being in a relationship with this person? Why is it that we want this to start from the word go? Most people do it for fun so that when it comes to an end, it is not really a big deal. But I think you having people who are like-minded, you not being unequally yoked, from the word go, will really help you so that before you even begin a relationship with someone, you ask yourself: Is this person are we equally yoked, or are we unequally yoked? That is the first question. Then, what is the goal that you want to achieve at the end of this, at the end of the, at the end of it all? That is number two. Then once you think about that, the people you, who are surrounding you, who are your friends? So that once you start this journey, they are there cheering you up, asking you hard questions, taking accountable, making you people accountable to them because y- they are Christians as you are. You get. So I think it is very important to really think about that and the fact that you guys are deliberate from the word go and intentional because you just don't do things for the sake of doing it. People get into relationship because it is the trend. Once you get to a certain age, you need to have someone. You journey with them until the time when we feel like this person doesn't make me happy anymore because that is the cliche out there. It's not about someone making you happy. It's about a commitment because this is God's idea from the word go. And because it's God's idea, we want to do it the godly way. So if you put that in mind before you do anything, matters relationship. If that is not your goal from the word go, don't even think about it. You would rather just remain single. Yeah.
0: Thank you. Nice sentiment. Maybe before you go, Curtis, you can, in the in the context of... Uh, assessing whether I'm committing myself to this relationship, uh, were there some, the, the, the spiritual growth of the other partner? Was it something you considered? And uh, by the implication that comes from it, how, how did it influence you to now know that I'm certain to say yes to this particular journey? There's
3: something usually said that anything that lives grows. Okay? If you go to a garden and there's some plant there, if that plant is truly alive, it will have grown if I come back a week later. Isn't it? Mm-hmm. But if I come to look at this chair 10 years later, will it have grown arms and legs? Of course not, because it's not a living thing. It doesn't live. All right? So anything that lives grows, anything that is dead does not grow. So that's how we look at our relationship. If this relationship is really working, if it's really alive, then there should be growth in our lives. This growth will be looked at, number one, emotionally. Are we growing emotionally? We've been dating for four years, for example. Are we still reacting to things the way we used to react to four years ago when you get upset? Or have we matured in how we are handling things? All right. Spiritually speaking, and that's where your question ties in, Are we desiring God more because of the relationship? All right? When we take the word of God and we are there meditating and you know just studying the word of God together, are we able to get more insight and more revelation than we used to when the relationship began? Are we praying for longer hours? Or when we met, we used to pray for one hour, now we pray for 10 minutes and we are tired. That means we are going backwards. So anytime you want to check whether something is truly growing, it's truly alive and it's thriving, there has to be growth. Even in marriage, these guys will not look like this in the next 10 years, right? They'll be, they'll be looking <laughs> healthier, which is good and it's expected, all right? So anything, but that's an, a light note. I'm not saying if, you're, if you remain slim, you are not growing, eh? No. But when you are looking at things like emotions and psychology and, and spiritual things and even intellectual things, you're supposed to be, you know, interpreting life in a more intellectual way the more you progress into the relationship. So the question is whether the emotional, uh, whether the spiritual state is something I considered. Definitely it's something I considered. Because let me tell you, there's nothing as painful as you are so deep in God before you got married, and then you get married and God takes the back seat. It is sad, and it will reflect in the marriage. And that is something that, you know, you don't want to find yourself in that position. So, yeah, always ensure that there are structures you put in place to ensure that you're spiritually growing. It will not happen automatically. You have to put in structures. And you will not always feel like it. We don't always feel like we want to pray, but we know we have to pray on this day for these hours. So you have to put... The emotions don't come before the spiritual thing. Because spiritual... I don't know about you guys. Maybe you guys are, you know, you are holy and all that. But me, I'll tell you, sometimes... I don't feel like I want to pray, especially if I've dedicated that I'll pray on this day. When that time comes, I'm just tired. (laughs) You know, that's when we have a conflict and our mood is spoiled and everything. But I have to commit. You know, I have to say, despite how I feel, despite all these things that come up, this is what I decided to do, this is what I'll do it. And true to it, once I start praying, the grace just comes and you continue with it. So always ensure, analyze, are you growing? So I mentioned about idolatry if you want to know that something spiritually wrong is happening in your relationship, is that this person you're dating has taken the place of God. You used to pray from 9 to 10 every day. Now, 9 to 10 is for chatting with this person. You've replaced God with that. And it's not that the person is wrong. The person might even be sent to God for you guys to be in a relationship. But the structures you've put in place is interfering with that.
0: Richard.
1: Um, (laughs) I think... uh, just had begun if you get into a relationship with someone who does not honor God that relationship is very draining it's very draining Uh, in a relationship in a marriage setup, it's very draining and I think it's one of the things that I looked at and I think uh, it's also important to say that even as you consider the person you want to marry there are things that you could consider and say these ones I can live with but this one I cannot live with. They are non-negotiables. For example, whether that person is a believer. How true are they to their commitment to God? Um, Because uh, when we were were dating, one thing, okay, I I usually don't want to say this maybe because my wife would say I'm proud. Um, At least I knew I was very committed in terms of my devotions and my... Uh, connection with God, and the level that had grown. And for her, I knew uh, she was still growing. So, in all ways, I knew that I had to lead her. And that is why I was saying, for instance, when I would tell her, now we need to wake up and pray. We leave Hall 6, she leaves Hall 4, get to CLB and pray together. When I would tell her, I I want us to have a Bible study. When she was away and would have calls and have prayer over the phone or a video call. That is what we would do because, and I think I I really want to speak to the young men inside here. When you get married you become the priest of that home. And what is happening is that families are not standing because young men are not taking responsibility. We cannot raise a generation of families that honor God if the young men that want to get married here are not going to be serious about the things of God. This woman is to be led by you. She's to be led by you in the seeking of God. She's to be led by you in the deep place of prayer, in seeking God. This woman is to be led by you in doing the things of God. Because that is what I do until now. I tell my wife, on this particular day, we have to fast and pray. It doesn't matter. And with the time I realized, she follows that lead. We cannot continue having a generation of young men who are just wasted and worthless and do not have a desire for God. And so I think this is very important to say, especially for the young men. Take up the role, take up the mantle, take up the responsibility to be a leader of your life in relationship with God, to be a leader of your relationship in relation with God. That way you'll realize that everything falls into place because you have chosen to honor God in that way. Thank you. Uh, Nice.
0: Some good stuff here. So... As we almost come to a close of session one, uh, maybe just to pose this question, at some point, did it come to be like a mentor-mentee relationship or discipleship, especially in aspects of growth? And uh, how did you pick it to really avoid uh, essentially just getting beyond, like getting beyond, like in the place of prayer, maybe waking early in the morning, going, uh, getting beyond to do things that maybe you will need to consider them in marriage?
1: Oh, in terms of whether it got to the point of, I'm now the one mentoring her. Yeah. Um, I think with time, by the fact that we used to do this a lot, things started to fall into place. Because you must understand that uh, even as you walk together, as Curtis has said, sometimes you get to the point of you feel like I'm, I'm drained. I don't have the strength. And it is then that now I realized, even for her when she understands I'm in those low moments, she can also pick it up from there. She will call me to prayer. She will actually come and pray with me. Just pray for me. And you see, that is very encouraging to know that you can actually have someone to support you spiritually. Yeah, so I think as as men take the lead, with time, they also come as our helpers. Because we must also agree the points we get to whereby we feel there is a weakness. And so as you take that lead, it comes to a time now that both of you are on the same level. Both of you are on the same sphere in terms of how you all want to seek God.
3: Let me just add to that true discipleship is relationship all right if you look at Jesus and his disciples his disciples grew because of seeing what Jesus was doing because he would go with them heal people feed feed the hungry do all those things he wouldn't he wouldn't do those things alone and then so notes so I went I healed the sick he would do those things with them. So the best kind of mentorship, and I'm glad that he's also pointed it out, is when you relate with this person in a way that you do those things as you walk with them, such that when a time comes and you don't have the strength, because they saw you doing it with them, they will also do it with you, right? So it is not just, you know, cause I think sometimes we can emphasize so much on the spiritual disciplines and you forget the relationship. If I am praying with Soila every day, but every time she annoys me, slap. Are my prayers helping? Right? I fast with her every day, but every time she annoys me, ah, shuka gari, home, find your way there. Have I really helped her? So let's not forget, the spiritual disciplines are important, but culture is passed through relationship. And if you look at the life of Christ, most of the things he taught was in the aspect of relationship. So yeah.
0: Thank you. Uh, we are moving on well. Uh, maybe from the audience, could you be having any question no. relating to the far we've come? Yes, Silas. We can have three. Any other person? Yes, Jack. A lady. Yeah. <laughs> yes, Marlene. So Silas you can start us off.
6: good. Praise God again. So my name is Silas. I'm a 6.1 student, and I bless the Lord for this chance. First of all, first of all, uh, thank you so much, Richard, for for the advice and the soil and cuttings. Thank you for your advice. I actually attended Richard's wedding on that uh, 16 that he's saying, and thank you for the food. It was nice, by the way. (laughs) Actually, your wedding was superb. Yes, you're teaching us about budget, but yours. <laughs> yes, he's teaching us to budget, but his wedding was classy. I tell you, classy. So I want to ask Richard a question. Yeah, Richard, I follow you on Twitter. I see you always in IDC. So I want to ask you a question. So you say that you worked with her in purity. Of course, that is fundamental. That is phenomenal, and we praise the Lord for that. Could you please <laughs> tell us the practical steps that you you had to keep bonding?
7: I want to hear your opinions about maybe... Now that we said we don't have an actual standard that we every, everyone should be looking to carry out their relationship or love story in that way, I just want to hear what you people will say about it. The first one is... Um, how are you able to achieve compromises without losing yourselves? Like, you have to get to a midpoint. Like, there's this one on this extreme, and this one on this extreme, and you have to come up with a midpoint. Um, for you guys, how how do you do that uh, and still maintain the chemistry? And the second thing is, okay, rather technical, but I... I have had an experience with it and I know very many jewels in the union have had an experience so maybe the the ladies in the panel can respond you find that there's we, we are in a situation where we are trying to learn how to do this right and um so someone like maybe like how he has said something about it is you are in a situation where you can tell This human being, this guy actually, this manifest, is getting into your business. And you weigh the options, potato, potato, you think about it, and you're thinking, yeah, maybe, maybe I can consider. What do you do at such a time? Because we can't see that that friendship or association is actually platonic, and it's not a relationship because interest has not been declared your stage what do you do cuz you're not talking to them but you're talking to them you're not being so obvious you're not actually okay mahali how did you
0: go through that okay uh, maybe richard Nicole, you can i
6: have two more questions can i check them
0: yeah okay
8: good evening yes it's a privilege and I admire you couples, the, the ones that are before us. You really look beautiful. Yes. And my concern was knowing that there is a saying that says that most of the men in CU are not romantic. They don't know how to practice that romance. So I would like to ask the, the panelists, uh, how did you maintain the, the sense of romance And knowing that there is a boundary between, you're still in courtship. So in order to maintain that, and even the affection and the connection throughout, knowing that apart from the biblical part, the physical ones are something.
0: Maybe one more. One more, and then we allow the panelists to... Uh,
7: Good evening. Good evening. Uh, So, I'm not sure it's the session for it, but uh, my concerns are about career and marriage, especially for us women. Uh, One time, there is uh, someone who stood and said that as a woman, your greatest achievement is only to, okay, not only, is to give birth or to be married, but how does career impact marriage? Suppose I want to get my master's, get a PhD, but I also want to get married and have kids. Uh, yeah, how does one navigate that in a relationship?
5: Thank you for that. Chelsea, okay. your, ans- your question will be answered in the next session. Yes. Um, there are two questions in the slido. I can read them. <laughs> uh, what sort of intimacy is allowed in a relationship before marriage? I think it's related to Anthony's question about uh, romance. Uh, the men in the CU, huh? <laughs> yeah. And then the other one. The other one is, is it wise to start dating months before completing university, or should I prioritize my career now and focus on dating after I'm stable?
0: So we can start off with Richard. Just some few minutes uh, to respond.
1: I think uh, we should have started with those questions before giving our stories. <laughs> um, thank you for the compliment. <laughs> so I think for me, I'll just handle the question of purity because I think it is something I'm so passionate about. I, I really want us to go into marriages that are pure, and honoring God. I think uh, why I say that is uh, the marriages, the people actually get married and get divorced. The people who get married and are unfaithful to their partners. And you see, we need to understand that the problem begins from the foundation that you lay in your relationship. My friends, if your foundation is weak, if your foundation is not straightforward, if your foundation is not in Jesus Christ, it doesn't matter how high the building goes, it will finally crumble and come down. And so why do I have to say that? Uh, When we pursue purity, that is, when the two of you are of the like mind, one thing is certain, that you both want to please God. But if you're pursuing a relationship with someone who does not have the same mind as you, then everything that the world feeds us, they do not have a filter. They consume it. And that is why we are there struggling, asking ourselves, how far is too far? How should romance look like in a relationship? But the reality of the matter is that as both of you walk in the fear of God, then the issue of purity does not become an issue. It becomes straightforward. For instance, why should I hug my girlfriend for five minutes yet as a man I know what that will do to my body. All of you should not lie because you definitely know that if you hug someone that you have connection with romantic connections with, if you hug them for five minutes definitely you feel something. Right? So how is it that you can pursue purity? One I want to say is that is by both of you purposing to pursue God honestly and honestly desiring to pursue God that is number one, number two and again I'm not going to give a long list because it does not have a particular way of how you do it's accountability I want to be very honest accountability helped us big time you know when I was getting to the wedding day I knew for her she was waiting for the whole day and everything for me, I was waiting for that evening. I want to be very honest. And then when that evening got, things were even not as I expected. <laughs> so definitely, when the two of you, when the two of you want to pursue that purity, you need to have a lot of accountability. People need to know where you are, you know, accountable to one another. Because in as much as I say I would want to lead her, I want to give a very practical example. There are days when I, w- I was the one on the farthest end feeling like, okay, we are one month to our wedding. I mean, have been patient this long. Honestly, sweetheart, you can understand. But she was like, no, we are, we are not doing anything. We still have a month to go to honor God. And I think that is very important when both of you are pursuing that so that even when the other person is forgetting... You can remind them that this is not about us. This is about God. So accountability to one another, accountability to God, and accountability to the community that God has given us will help us to walk in purity. I don't think there's any other way that I would put because you're pursuing God, you're accountable to God and to the community that God has given you. Then God, by his mercies and grace, will ensure that you walk that journey faithfully. Thank you.